As one of America's largest financial services companies, Nationwide makes simplicity a priority so financial professionals can help their clients achieve their retirement goals. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. Right now, let us look at what matters to America, and it's far more than the economics, finance, investment. It's the stock market that we do. It's about housing. Let us take four days across four Fed meetings of 2022 and look at the mortgage, the 30-year bank rate fixed mortgage, and the yield has gone up 3.73%, 4.47%, jumping up to 5.50%, and on the 6%, which Julian Coronado uh, noted last week. Kelsey Barrow joins us now with J.P. Morgan as well. Link in the J.P. Morgan world of bonds, yield, price dynamics into real estate in the 30-year fixed mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at the Fed funds rate, it's it's risen 150 basis points, but the 30-year fixed mortgage rate has risen by double that, 300 basis points all the way to 6%. Um, and we already are seeing the impact on the housing market from that move. And we will continue to see the housing market decline. But I think what's really important to note about this move, this move in financial conditions, is it's been so severe that in any other scenario, the Fed would have paused. The reason that they haven't paused this time, despite the fact that mortgage rates are up 300 basis points, is that the inflation environment is just not letting them. And I think what really spooked them um, uh, last week on Friday is that University of Michigan well, sentiment. Paul mentioned report. that yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. He mentioned the University of Michigan sentiment tipping up, ticking up. Now, what we do know about the University of Michigan sentiment data uh, and the University of Michigan inflation expectations is it's very correlated to gasoline prices. And some of that increase in gasoline prices is out of their control. So they're putting themselves in a very difficult situation, but one where they're clearly saying we're going to prioritize inflation over growth. I mean, Lisa, one of the stories here is oil's only gone 124 to 118 on Brent. I mean, we barely had a pullback, Lisa, in oil. 
And it isn't necessarily translating into a pullback at the pump because gas prices, refined goods, are not getting cheaper because of a lack of refineries. How does this really bleed into credit, Kelsey, has been a question that we talked about with a lot of investors yesterday. They were seeing the prospect of wider credit spreads, of more credit losses kind of being implied despite the fact that you don't see near-term maturities. Do you agree that it's the up-in-quality trade going to a higher rated debt, or do you think that there's some value given the 8.5% yield? and high yields. Well, clearly financial conditions are tightening and the risk of recession is rising. But if you look at current default rates, obviously they're very low. They need to normalize somewhat. But corporate fundamentals are really strong and companies have done a number of things to set them up for an environment where we're not particularly concerned about credit losses. They've done things like increase their cash, reduce their leverage, and also term out their debt. So if I look at the high yield market, for instance, less than 6% of the market is maturing in 2022 or 2023. So there's not that much sensitivity uh, in the high yield market, which has become much more uh, higher in quality than it has historically to these higher rates. Now, I think that there is going to be volatility. And what we're focused on this summer is is increasing the liquidity of our portfolios, because the one thing that Chair Powell didn't talk about in the press conference was QT. But QT is happening. We're seeing massive moves and we want to have the liquidity to sell it when it's expensive rather than need to buy it um, when when there's a challenge. Lisa, is quote-unquote increasing liquidity the same as go to cash? Well, Kelsey, that's exactly what I was going to ask. How do you do that? Is, is it with ETFs? Is it with cash? Or is it with the securities that are most traded? I mean, it is dependent on the portfolio. If you think at the very baseline, we're thinking about, you know, going from off the runs to on the run treasuries, getting out of tips and into nominals, you know, things that are going to uh, have less ability to be intermediated uh, when markets are quiet, when people are going out on summer vacation and things are more likely to trade more volatile with more volatility. Um, So essentially, the bond market has gotten much bigger and dealer balance sheets have not risen to the same size to accommodate that. And so we want to be prepared when people need liquidity to be able to give it. This is shocking to me, Tom, and really a reversal of what we've seen for so long when people were seeking out illiquidity. We are looking at the prospect of a Fed-driven volatility cycle that we have not seen in a long time in credit. I'm just looking at the, at, at the you know, the, I, I've been, Kelsey, this has been a crusade of mine, is we're in a bond bear market and nobody's talking about it because nobody's used to it. And the answer is, if I look at the Bloomberg, the Barclays, the Lehman, total return, U.S. aggregate bond portfolio, these are double-digit losses, right? Absolutely. What's the plan? Absolutely. There's the two sides to that coin, right? You've seen massive losses, particularly in long bonds. The moves in yields, you know, if I look at the move over the week or the move over the month and you compare them to the last five years, these aren't just two standard deviation moves. These are four, five, six, seven standard deviation moves. I mean, it's just incredible. But then on the other side, you have the yield, this new starting yield. If you were to invest fresh capital now, that is a lot more attractive. As Lisa mentioned, eight and a half percent on you U.S. high yield is very attractive, and it's consistent with the re- long-term returns um, in the equity markets as well. Yeah, we round up the digits, negative 13% in the U.S. aggregate portfolio. Kelsey, get to work. Kelsey Barrow uh, with us with J.P. Morgan Asset Management. So we dive into it with Andrew Sheets. He's chief 
cross asset strategist at Morgan Stanley, really coalescing in mathematically, statistically, of as is Brown University math, of what the total, the, the, the whole view is. And the summary, Andrew, is simple. Morgan Stanley thinks like Joe Stiglitz, growth matters. Tell me why growth matters. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Tom. And it's, it's great to be here. So I think this is a backdrop where the Fed is shown that it's going to have to be very data dependent over data that it doesn't necessarily have a great deal of control over. Because the actions that it's taking now, as you discussed earlier on your program, are not necessarily going to do anything about gasoline prices, airfares over the next month or three months that are driving these inflation surprises that Chair Powell mentioned. So you have a situation where I think the Fed is somewhat captive to the, the incoming inflation data that matters a lot. And then the growth outlook is also very uncertain. I, I think the Fed acknowledged that uncertainty. I think you know we see it in our own forecasts where there is a, a, a lot of different data pointing to different trajectories for the economy. Where we come out of all of that is to try to be relatively defensive, to try to keep positioning light as you continue to have a number of cross currents going on here. Andrew, it's amazing to me that we talk so much about the prospect of recession, and yet we've hardly talked about downgrading earnings. I had Pinky Chatter at Deutsche Bank on yesterday. I think it was the first time I'd spoken to someone on Wall Street, an equity strategist who is actually cutting their earnings expectations. First time in a while. Andrew, I know that you and Mike Wilson have been on top of that story too. What do you make of that? that we haven't had the warnings from corporations, we haven't seen the street downgrade earnings in a way that would match this recession conversation. Yeah, Jonathan, I think this is what's so fascinating about what's going on is I think that's exactly right in terms of the next thing to focus on. You know, when, when we think about the market, and particularly the U.S. equity market, you know, my colleague Mike Wilson thinks the market has generally adjusted to the rate rise that we've seen, roughly. What it has not adjusted to is earnings downgrades, which you usually get when you've had this sort of reduction in financial conditions, when you have had these sort of risks around growth, when you have the declines in PMIs that we think are likely. So I think that's now where the rubber meets the road. There, there is a scenario that's more positive than ours where the companies are continuing companies are able to continue to earn profits and, and hit those consensus numbers. And in that case, the market could stabilize around current levels. If they cut earnings as we expect, then we still think that there's some downside risk here and it's too early to, to try to enter the market. Andrew, which is the reason why perhaps you're looking elsewhere. I was kind of surprised to see where else you're looking. Japan? Why? Based on the fact that you've seen that the yen depreciate so significantly, and a lot of people expect that they will eventually, the Bank of Japan will eventually have to follow its fellow uh, developed market central banks. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. So it's pretty apparent that, that every major global equity market in the world has its own particular challenges. We just discussed the U.S. Europe has uh, active ECB hiking. It has the war in Ukraine, China has the challenge of a zero COVID policy. And, and Japan also has very easy central bank policy that's increasingly disconnected from the more hawkish policy elsewhere. But we think for the moment, that's one of the better challenges to have. We think the Japanese market is not priced for the yen depreciation that we've seen so far. We think that, that if the yen were to stay around 135 or move higher, uh, move weaker, that would result in earnings upgrades at a time when other regions can be see, seeing earnings downgrades. Japan has derated significantly. It's not nearly as expensive versus history as some other markets are. 
And we do think that the Bank of Japan will stay patient a little while longer because the inflationary pressures in Japan not not only aren't as severe right now, they've been so much lower for so much longer than the U.S., so when you talk about creating some sort of ballast to the portfolio, I understand the, the bet on Japan to some degree. However, there's got to be some bigger pool of securities that have to come from a place like the United States or like Europe. If you don't like stocks right now because of that earnings uncertainty, how much conviction can you have around the long bond at a time when the Fed is going really aggressive? Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's one of the challenges. I mean, I think this is an environment where overall exposures, gross exposures, investors should be trying to keep those lower and, and to stay more liquid because as we've just seen over the last 24 hours, uh, the price action can be extremely volatile. It can be extremely hard to manage those risks and there's large amounts of uncertainty. So I think keeping you know lower exposures generally in this environment makes a lot of sense. I think it's trying to look for kind of relative value, putting more relative risk into relative value strategies than than directional strategies at the moment, as I think we are seeing a number of instances where relative value is working despite the, the volatile environment. And then it would be something like oil, which is a, an asset that we'd like, where you have an inflation hedge that pays you quite well to hold it, given how backwardated that oil curve is. And so that's a way to generate some yield while also providing some protection. Andrew, just to clarify, 3,400 is still the number for you guys on the S&P. Yeah, that's where that's where we think the risk reward starts to look more compelling. Okay, Andrew Sheets there, Morgan Stanley. Some downsides still to come then for the team over at Morgan Stanley. Andrew Sheets there, working closely with Mike Wilson, of course, at Morgan Stanley too. Nobody ever says make it complicated. That is why Nationwide makes simplicity a priority by providing financial professionals with straightforward, client-ready resources, from clear strategies to help clients meet retirement savings and income needs, to ways to cover rising healthcare costs and more. Nationwide simplifies planning so more time can be spent helping clients. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, member FINRA, Columbus, Ohio. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY.
Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. That's right now. Andrew Slimman joins us. Uh, Senior Portfolio Manager Morgan Stanley. Someone who is in equities. Someone who is congenitally long and optimistic. Except maybe he's not. He joins us now amid the gloom. Come on, Andrew. The gloom. There's (laughs) blood on the streets. Do you load the boat here? Uh, you know, look, I think there's an opportunity coming. I just think it's too early. It's the stock market, regardless of your view of the economy, my view is basically the stock market's got a hard time with 10-year where it is, given yeah. the multiple that remains on the market until we get resolution <clears throat> in terms of interest rates and inflation. I just think it's too early to get aggressive. But, you know, it's out there. Right. It's just it's just too early. Amid the gloom, what is the lesson on use of cash? We saw D.E. Shaw go after FedEx. They've amended. We saw Target with a big dividend increase as well. How does use of cash change? given the the gloom that's the the bramo like gloom that's out there well it is interesting that you know you are seeing companies uh, increase stock buybacks you know uh, you're seeing insider buying so i think there is some reason to believe that the collapse in earnings won't be there uh, and i think that's a lot to do with inflation frankly that companies can pass along their their you know inflationary costs to the consumer the only, the question becomes will they be able to maintain the margins or will consumers push back uh before their costs come down and right now that has not happened so companies feel pretty good about their business and they're raising dividends buying back stock that's what's happening now we haven't seen the collapse in margins that many of the bears have predicted so andrew let's say that we do get a continued sell-off as many people do expect as the uh, real yield not only the nominal yield but the real yield in the united states resets to levels that we have not seen since 2018 and earlier depending on which measure you look at when are we there when do you start saying we have baked in the depth of the pain let's go well, I think, first of all, timing. You know, it would be nice to be a little bit later into the summer because I suspect another 75 base point increase will cause further catharsis. It would be nice when you guys are out having your burgers in Wyoming or whatever you said, Tom. You know, if the Fed were to you know ease up, I think that would be good. So timing first. Number two is where did the market go? If it gets down, you know, 16 times forward earnings, if we start to see... 14 times, you know, in the, you know, kind of mid 3000s, I think that would be helpful. Or if you saw rates back off to uh, closer to 3%, which clearly is not happening today. We're starting to see some inflationary inputs weaken, but certainly not oil. And that's, there's too much, uh, uh, too many things driven by oil prices. So inflation backs off, rates back off, or the market comes down to a multiple that's more reasonable with 3.5%. I think those are the two scenarios. And I suspect all that will happen going into it later this summer. I just think it's too early. So you remain defensive until then. Andrew, what does it mean to remain defensive when you have to be fully invested? Yeah, I mean, for me, look, I think we want, okay. So number one is what's amazing is, you know, what is working year to date? Energy, utilities, defensive stocks. Those are late cycle stocks. The market has told you that we're into a, uh, you know, a slowdown. 
the, the, the way you position as a long equity manager is make sure that you aren't, your beta isn't above the market. Make sure you have plenty of these defensive stocks and energy. The however, though, Lisa, is early cycle is the consumer stocks. And those have been absolutely crushed. There are a ton of opportunity in consumer stocks. And as I said before, when the consumer sentiment is at an all-time low, you have to stand up and say, huh, the rate of change at some point is going to be uh, you know, positive. And I think those are the types of stocks you want to start to prepare, do the analysis on, because I think that's the next, what I would call the next fat pitch, uh, is to move into more of these early cycle stocks. I just think it's too early. Andrew, are you saying that it might be time to think about fading some of the energy move then after the monster rally we've seen in energy stocks? Yeah. Well, so, Jonathan, what's, here's what's interesting. So the utility sector uh, through May uh, had outperformed the S&P by 1,500 base points year to date. Utilities are fading. Right. So they have faded going into June. So I just wonder whether we're going to look back and say, we were in a recession. We're already in a recession. And the playbook would say then you want to start to fade the late cycle. If you tell me, Jonathan, the recession is, you know, end of the year or next year, oh, then it's too early to sell energy. It's too early to, you know, begin to reduce the defensive. If you tell me we're in it now or it's, it's happening, then, yeah, I want to get, you know, I, I want to start to fade those. Andrew, that R word, though, I know that's what perverse. does it mean? If we were in a recession, and let's say it was right now, whatever that means, what, what kind of recession would you be expecting? I see that R word get thrown Thank around you, all John. the time. Yeah, what kind of exactly. downturn would you be expecting? I, I, well, what we're getting. Uh, you know, the problem with a deep recession right now, right now, is you're not getting the fundamental drop-off that the big earnings uh, destruction. Now, it's, what scares me is you're starting to see some of these financial issues like Swiss Bank raising rates. You know, my contention has always been ultimately, uh, you, know, some, you know, unfortunately something breaks in the system and it, you know, kind of pervert, not a very nice way of saying it, but a dead body floats to the surface. That's the kind of thing that, you know, marks bombs in, you know, recessions. But I, I, I right now, as we sit, if it, it is going to be a shallow recession because we haven't had the drop off in fundamentals to the magnitude of a deeper recession. Andrew Sliman, nuance view, as always, sir. Andrew, it's good to you. catch up with you from Morgan thank Stanley you. Investment Management. Right now, a gentleman from the Republican persuasion and from Arkansas, French Hill, joins us on uh, this odd econ economy. French Hill, I believe in Arkansas, you have a 3.2% inflation rate. You are the kings of chicken. Chicken is in ascendant in this nation because of the price of beef, et cetera. Can things get any better for Arkansas? Well, Arkansas consumers, Tom, uh, good morning, are really hurting uh, from high gas prices. We're a rural, rural state, and when I was in private business before I came to Congress, I had many employees in my company that drove uh, almost an hour every day to work, and so gas prices are really hurting our families. Uh, we They woke up uh, Monday morning in Little Rock to crossing the $5 mark on gas. Mm -hmm. And so inflation is the top thing I hear about when I'm talking both to small businesses and families. And the second thing, and this is the irony in the economy, you're 100% right, 
The second thing that's brought up is quality workforce, uh, trying to fill these open jobs in business. Well, do you fill them by raising wages? I mean, what is the prescription? Uh, it's the oddest thing, folks, all this day-to-day -day crisis we're reporting on, and yet the joy of a fully employed Arkansas, right? How do we solve this conundrum? Well, first, I think Arkansas is spending a lot of time, and I've contributed in every way I can, both in uh, my business career and now in Congress, to better workforce uh, preparation, better skill training for those coming out of incarceration, those coming out of high school, those still in high school to make sure they have a path to the pursuit of happiness that's not a college uh, degree. So we've got to do more workforce preparation. And believe me, our state and our counties are doing that every day. Secondly, uh, I think there's a real issue with uh, getting people back to work and, and you raise pay. And let me give you a quick example from Central Arkansas. Amazon has recently come into uh, Little Rock with 1.3 million square feet purchased, opening up their major logistics operations. And they're offering about $18 as a starting wage there. So that is also uh, really disrupting that full-time 40 hour a week person that's at a starting uh, career. So you're seeing rising wages at the bottom in central Arkansas. Congressman, how crucial is it to increase immigration to the United States and open up some of the pathways for people to come in at a time where you're talking about such a labor shortage? Yeah, Lisa, it's such an important question and it's been something where America has been uh, stuck for a number of years of trying to do that in a smarter way by doing more merit-based uh, immigration policy, as well as clearing the decks on people who've been waiting 10 years or so uh, with a professional degree, uh, waiting for a permanent uh, residency status. So we let about a million people in legally in this country every year. It's something that we ought to always look at rebalancing that on the legal admissions. I would think more merit-based uh, admissions would be good to get our, our markets uh, more in line with the talent that we need. Yeah, Congressman, how difficult is that for some of your fellow Republican Congress members to swallow, considering the fact that for so long there was a discussion about reducing immigration or limiting uh, much more substantially? I mean, how much are you representative of the mainstream of the Republican Party? Party versus an outlier. Right. Well, thanks for that question, because it all centers on the fact that just as we're seeing every day here, record numbers of people crossing the southwest border illegally. And so the, for years, Lisa, the idea was if we can achieve border security, border control, or as our secretary of Homeland put it the other day, operational control, which they don't have. Uh, that would open up the day, I think, to uh, modify a lot of our internal right. immigration policies. And that's what we need to do. French Hill, out of Vanderbilt years ago, I know you still have your Jerry Ford whip inflation now button. You know, as a smart banker guy, that yeah. you can't fix inflation. Joe Biden can't fix inflation. Even Elizabeth Warren can't flick, fix inflation. What do you need from Jerome Powell to fix inflation? Well, Tom, I think you took a bold move yesterday, uh, putting the Fed on record that inflation is uh, their uh, enemy number one right now, considering we have such a, a surplus of uh, job openings. We have a very strong labor market. So the 75 basis point move I thought was a bold one. He knows he's behind. Uh, Tom, you and I have lived through this for many decades. He knows he's behind. He wants to send the signal that the Fed's committed to not letting inflation expectations get entrenched. 
uh, in corporations and pricing. And in the meantime, I think clearly we have to do everything we can to get the supply chain open uh, by unleashing America's power to get people back to work, supply chains open. And this is, as you say, not an easy task. That's why they call it the anguish of central banking. Tremendously difficult right now. Congressman, always fantastic to hear from you. French Hill there with the latest in D.C. This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.